So our worship and community theme this month is vision, and we've heard about that from a bunch of different directions, and today, one more, we will be hearing about a very powerful vision in our history, one that had implications and an effect on the entire Western world of Europe and the Americas. For a lot of us as Unitarian Universalists, our history and our theological history do not seem to be of much point or purpose today. For too many of us, it's almost as if our faith sprang full-blown from the head of Zeus after World War II. (laughs) To truly grasp the power and breadth and value of our faith, though, I would suggest that knowing more about our history is critical as it helps to strengthen our identity and understand who we are and how we came to be who we are as a faith tradition. Now, Unitarian and Universalism in the United States, in the United Kingdom, and in India arose in the late 18th and early 19th centuries. However, there are much deeper roots of modern Unitarianism and Universalism in the Protestant Reformation of the 16th century. So today I'm speaking of a particular time and place during the Reformation, and that place is Transylvania in Eastern European, in Eastern Europe, which was then part of the Holy Roman Empire, which, to be very clear, was not holy, nor Roman, nor an empire. <laughs> and this particular moment in history is the creation of a document known as the Edict of Torda in 1568. The Edict of Torda was the first declaration of religious tolerance and freedom in Europe Europe and the Americas. And it was issued by the only Unitarian monarch in history, John Sigismund II Zapolia, who was the king of Transylvania and also the king of Hungary. And here he is, probably from a much later representation. So this year in 2018, we are celebrating the 450th anniversary of the Edict of Torda. And as you heard from Vicki, the celebration is of great importance to the Unitarian people of modern-day Romania, of which Transylvania is a part. It is also being celebrated by Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists worldwide. Each month of this year, there has been and will be for the rest of the year a gathering of Unitarian and UU theologians from around the world, reflecting on the theological meaning and value of the Edict of Torda. So these monthly gatherings have been held online in Kathmandu, Nepal, in New York City, in Kansas City at our National General Assembly, in Kolosvar, Transylvania, and in places still to be determined for the rest of the year. Five Unitarian Universalist theologians from around the world are leading these monthly reflections. Uh, Starting from the upper left-hand corner, Elder Rupaya Lamar of the Unitarian Church of Jawai, Northeast India, the Reverend Fuljans and Dagajimana 
founder of the Unitarian Church of Burundi, Africa, now in exile in Canada. Ms. Ellen Negroho, who founded the Unitarian Christian Church of Indonesia when she was a high school student and who has authored two books on the Unitarian faith. She now runs a non-governmental organization that promotes religious pluralism among young people in Indonesia, which is one of many countries that have been uh, suffered hugely from interreligious violence. Dr. Stephanie Mitchum, who is a professor of religion and gender studies at the University of South Carolina, and the Reverend Norbert Ratz, who is minister of the Central Unitarian Church of Colasfar, Transylvania. So I'm mentioning some of the details and some of the people of this Torta 450 celebration to underscore the huge importance of this edict within our faith to Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists all around the world and how important it is still. So how did this edict come to be? And to understand this, you have to know what was going on in Europe in the 16th century. Uh, by the middle of that century, the Protestant Reformation was in full swing. And as you may know, Roman Catholics and various Protestant groups were struggling for power, often violently. And other groups, such as the Mennonites, arose who were persecuted by both Roman Catholics and Protestants. And yet other types of approaches to religious faith emerged and were seen as so radical that their followers went really to the edges of the Holy Roman Empire and beyond in order to write about or teach or preach or live their own religious ideas. And these were places such as various republics in Italy, because there was no Italy yet on that peninsula. It was a collection of dukedoms and the Vatican and monarchies and republics like the Republic of Venice. And some of those places allowed quite a degree of religious freedom and tolerance. And one of the other places that this kind of radical free thinking lived was on the eastern edge of the Roman Empire, the Holy Roman Empire, in places like Transylvania and Poland. So John Sigismund II Zapolia became the king of Hungary as an infant in 1540, literally the year he was born, while his mother Isabella served as his regent. He ruled Hungary from 1540 to 1551 and again from 1556 to 1570 because things were incredibly volatile in that part of the world. You also had the Ottoman Empire coming right up against the eastern edges of the Holy Roman Empire. And there were many times and places when uh, the Ottoman Empire made major incursions, almost driving into the heart of what we know as, as modern Europe. There were some very uh, critical battles that if they had gone the other way, our world map would probably look very different than it does. And so Hungary and Romania were right in the middle of all of that. So while John Sigismund was ruling Hungary, he was also the ruler of Transylvania, which definitely had an identity of being um, a nation. And Transylvania was then in eastern Hungary. And around 1570, he named himself the Prince of Transylvania, really in preference to being known as the King of Hungary. 
So King John was always super interested in religious and theological matters, and they were certainly on every ruler's plate at that time. So during the 1560s, when he was in his 20s, King John sponsored a series of theological discussions and debates at his court among the various faith traditions represented there. He himself was raised Roman Catholic and converted to Lutheranism in 1562 and from Lutheranism to Calvinism in 1564. By the end of 1567, though, through the influence of his court physician, Dr. Giorgio Biandrata, who is a Unitarian from one of those free-thinking parts of Italy, and supported by Ferenc David, a court preacher, who was the founder of the Unitarian Church of Transylvania, King John became a Unitarian. Ferenc David, known more commonly to Unitarian Universalist as Francis David, had made his own religious journey, very similar to King John's. He was first ordained as a Roman Catholic priest after attending seminary in Germany. Then he became a Lutheran bishop, then a Calvinist bishop, and it was in that role that he was appointed a court preacher to King John. And like King John, David kept studying the more radical ideas coming out of the Reformation, and he was also very influenced by Dr. Biandrata. Ultimately, becoming convinced that the concept of the Trinity was both non-biblical, which it absolutely is, not in the Bible, and that the Trinity was also a false understanding of the nature of God. So God really was singular, not three, thus the name Unitarian as opposed to Trinitarian. So Ferenc David founded the Unitarian Church in Transylvania, and all of those churches were the first Unitarian churches in the world. In 1568, King John convinced a parliament or diet of noblemen in the town of Torda to review and refine several edicts about religious practices that had been written during his reign in the previous decades. And these various edicts uh, were some very tentative steps toward religious tolerance and affirmation. Through the demands of King John and of David to legitimize Unitarian preaching and Unitarian congregations, the Diet wrote the Edict of Torda, which was issued to the Hungarian nation on January 28, 1568. And this is um, a really famous painting. It was done in the late 19th century, but it shows that is supposed to be uh, Friends David there in the middle uh, speaking at the Diet of Torda. And you can see, again, this is so important to people. This is a, a jigsaw puzzle of this painting with the Torda 450 symbol on it um, that so many commemorative items have been made about this. So what did the Edict of Torda say? Let's read it together from the insert in your order of service. And it says it's an act of religious tolerance and freedom of conscience. His Majesty, our Lord, 
in what manner he, together with his realm, legislated in the matter of religion at the previous diets, in the same matter now, in this diet, reaffirms that in every place the preachers shall preach and explain the gospel, each according to his understanding of it, and if the congregation like it, well. If not, no one shall compel them, for their souls would not be satisfied. But they shall be permitted to keep a preacher whose teaching they approve. Therefore, none of the superintendents or others shall abuse the preachers. No one shall be reviled for his religion by anyone, according to the previous statutes. And it is not permitted that anyone should threaten anyone else by imprisonment or by removal from his post for his teaching. For faith is the gift of God, and this comes from hearing, which hearings is by the word of God. So let's unpack that 16th century language a bit. First, it's important to understand that the edict was not a guarantee of religious freedom for individuals, but for religious congregations. Any religious congregation could choose their own preacher to teach and preach to them. And no one outside the congregation could remove a preacher from their preaching post or imprison them for what they taught. So although, as it says clearly, no, one, no, no person is to be reviled for what they really believe, the focus here was on congregations and who was allowed to preach and teach to them. The edict also did not cover the Transylvanians who were members of the Eastern Orthodox faith. It did not cover the Jews who lived in Transylvania and Hungary or Muslims, although in practice there was toleration for them. In spite of this, the edict was an extraordinary statement of religious tolerance by 16th century standards. I can't say enough, and I'm sure many of you know, that for almost two centuries during the Reformation and afterwards, people by the hundreds and thousands were killing each other over religion all across Europe. And that really did not stop until the middle of the 17th century, and even not entirely then. Uh, the big wars, the big battles were over. And there is also language in the edict that points the way to much of what we rely on today in our faith of Unitarian Universalism. First, it affirms that faith is the gift of God, the divine of what is larger, bigger than ourselves. It is not the gift of secular empires or governments. And second, it affirms that faith comes to us from that which is bigger than us through the preaching in a free pulpit, a pulpit where the preacher knows that she or he can speak his or, own, his or her own truth. And third, that those in the pews have their freedom of hearing and responding to what they hear. And if they don't like what they hear, they could, back then and now, re together remove their preacher. Because otherwise, 
their souls would not be satisfied. So for a very brief moment in Eastern Europe, there was this beautiful vision, this beginning beacon of religious freedom and tolerance. Sadly, it did not last for long. King John died in March of 1571 at the age of 31 under some rather suspicious circumstances. The rule of Transylvania passed to a Roman Catholic who, though opposed to Lutheran, Calvinist, and Unitarian preaching, still allowed them to exist as congregations because the Edict of Torda had established that so firmly. But what he did do was urge Roman Catholic priests to preach against all the others. And he issued new decrees that forbade any more what he termed religious innovation. And Ferenc David himself died in prison after being imprisoned once again as he became more and more radical in his own faith. Uh, Stephen Batori, the new king of Transylvania, imprisoned him where he died. The Reverend Eric Cherry, former director of the Unitarian Universalist Association's International Office, writes of the meaning of the Edict of Torda for us as Unitarian Universalists today. He says, beyond matters of faith and practice, the anniversary of the Edict of Torda calls American Unitarian Universalists to know themselves better by celebrating the history of the world's first Unitarian churches. Our international partners in Transylvania, Hungary, and around the world understand the edict as their moment of birth and establishment, as a basic part of their spiritual DNA. Let us take this anniversary as a chance to understand our partners and our history more completely, to celebrate the radical reform spirit that is the basis of the Edict of Torda, and to translate that free spirit into visions and lives and ministries of clear purpose for today. So may it be. Blessed be. Amen.